All right, welcome back. We're going to finish up our chronological look at the story of Jesus' birth with Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 23. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he asked them where the Christ would be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written through the prophet, You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are in no way least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them exactly what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word so that I may come and worship him. They, having heard the king, went their way. And behold, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They came into the house and saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Opening their treasures, they offered to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. He arose and took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son." Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and sent out and killed all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding countryside, from two years old and under, according to the exact time which he had learned from the wise men. Then that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children. She wouldn't be comforted because they are no more. And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. He arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, Herod, He was afraid to go there. Being warned in a dream, he withdrew into the region of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophets, that he will be called a Nazarene. All right, today I I read all of this. Maybe you didn't recognize the translation from the World English Bible. It's an American English edition of that, Uh, partly because it's something different, partly because it's copyright-free. But I like to read a different translation sometimes. You listen to it a little differently if it's not quite as familiar. But that, my friends, is the story 
of the birth of Jesus according to Matthew and Luke. Now, I actually have quite a bit of time left. I didn't take as long as I thought it would, so that's uh, good. They don't have to stop in the middle. So now I, let's look at a few things. I've heard uh, many arguments over the years why we should not celebrate Christmas. And you probably have heard a lot of these. A lot of the, probably almost all of the traditions that go along with Christmas um, really have nothing to do with Scripture or with a biblical celebration of the birth of Jesus. They came from some other place. Um, not all of them from a bad place necessarily, but uh, they are not biblical requirements or traditions that need to be followed uh, when we think about Christmas. So things like Christmas trees are the giving of gifts and all of those kind of things. There are things that we, meaning that we attach to those. And often I've heard people talk about the giving of gifts and how, you know, really the gift is the one that God gave us, but uh, we give gifts kind of in, in honor or in remembrance of that. And I think that's perfectly fine. But when we think about Christmas as it's typically celebrated, it's true that most of the traditions, if not all of them, are not uh, biblical Christian traditions. And some people take issue with that, and they want to criticize Christians for using these things. And when I hear people say that, you know, Christian uh, Christians have taken Christmas, and it's, it's just a whitewash of a pagan holiday. That's probably the most common complaint, particularly a lot of people who just want to tear down Christianity. And my response is, yes, so what? <laughs> it's like that. Okay, um, you're right. The December 25th is almost definitely not the day that Jesus was born. But uh, like many other things that we do, there's a reason why we chose that day. Now, there's a reason why Christians have chosen to use that to remember that day. And I would say there is a very good reason for co-opting the pagan celebrations and putting um, a Christian reminder in their place. It is uh, very much like those stones that I mentioned in the first half of the show. They're just stones until they're set aside for God's purpose. So one of the things you have to recognize when it comes to the, the traditions and particularly the things like the day. Uh, we think about the day it was co-opting a pagan holiday. Okay, that's, I think that's a great idea. The pagan holiday was bad. <laughs> so when people accept Christ, when someone uh, comes to faith and they begin to examine their life, what most people find, unless they're children and haven't developed habits and traditions yet, there are uh, many habits and traditions in their life that when they're removed and they recognize they need to be removed, um, you, so you got to replace it with something. If you accept uh, Christ as your Savior, you become a Christian and you dedicate your life to following Him, and before that, uh, you were a drug addict, that means that huge aspects, huge parts of your life were filled with both relationships and activities that are not good for you, that they are not part of a life of following Christ. You will need to remove them. But just to cut out um, huge amounts of time and activities and say, well, I'm just not going to do that, you're going to do something, 
right? What are you going to do? Well, when people turned to God and they, there were groups of people that turned to God and had, they had days that were set aside for celebrating idols. When they take those celebrations and you remove that celebration, what do you do with that time? Well, I have no problem with saying, well, instead of what you were doing, which was leaving God out, let's do something in the same time because that time is free and it's already dedicated to a a spiritual cause. It was the wrong spiritual cause, but let's put it in the right one. I think Christmas is like that. Uh, Christmas takes over, uh, did take over uh, something that was not good with something that was good. Uh, and I have no problem with that. So we'll say it was just a whitewash of a pagan holiday. Yeah, okay, great. I think that's a great idea. We should do that with more pagan holidays. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. Now, the bigger danger today is that Christmas is being overrun by commercialism. And it's not that December 25th is being overrun by com- commercialism. I think that's not the issue. The issue is that the... The stones of remembrance are being forgotten. And I think that is an issue. When the children of Israel set up that memorial from the stones from the river, the goal was to remember something that was super important, of great value. And I think uh, Christmas and Easter have been that for us. They are that for us as Christians. It's it's a time to... uh, remember something vitally important and to remember it in a more intentional way. Now, let's be honest, uh, as a follower of Jesus, in a very real sense, every day is Christmas. Every day is Easter. (laughs) I, I don't ever want to have a day when I forget that Jesus lived a life that culminated with the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection Uh, And ended with 40 days of him training the disciples and and spending that time with them, preparing them for uh, being those foundations of the church. I don't ever want to forget that. Every day is Christmas. I, I want to remember his life every day. Every day is Easter. I want to remember that he is alive every day. But the holidays are a chance to recalibrate. You know, there are uh, many of us who do try to live every day at following Jesus, but there are also an, a lot of people who are distracted. Every day is filled with work, um, with personal concerns, with projects, with family, uh, with a lot of things that are not bad, but over time, as those things are repeated and they're kind of a, a, an ongoing, low-level just distraction, it's something that you got to keep doing. You know, you, you have to keep on top of things or you get overrun by cleaning in the house. And you have to cook every day. You have to go shopping. You have Our life takes work. And for our lives today, I think it's, it's different than it was in the past. You know, if you are a farmer, you're probably much closer to the way things used to be than most of us are because you recognize in a very real way your livelihood depends upon God and what God is doing. 
But if you're not a farmer, if you're not actually planting seed and you're not harvesting and it doesn't matter what the weather's like, you're going to get a paycheck. Nah. You know, it's it's easy to get into a rut and a routine where God's not really a big part of what you're doing. Well, Christmas is a chance to recalibrate, to remember, to remind, you know, we're supposed to be remembering our children, remind others, but it's a good chance for us to remember, you know, uh, Jesus came to this earth and did something that we could not do for ourselves. And I need to remember that in the middle of whatever busyness that I have in the remember in the middle of whatever work that I have, whatever struggles with relationships that I have, I need to remember that Jesus lived a perfect life, a sinless life, so that he could be that obedient son who went to the cross, who took my sin on his shoulders, who went to the grave in my place, who rose again, and with his resurrection, allowed me access, gave me access to the throne room. So the fact that I can pray relates directly to the birth of Jesus. His whole life, I mean, it's, it's all part of it. He, he had to be that perfect sacrifice. He had to be here in the flesh. Uh, he had to face those temptations and be sinless. He had to die. He had to take my sin, and he had to come out of the grave a victor over death. So in a very real way, every day is Christmas, and every day is Easter. <laughs> Those are things that I don't ever want to forget. A large part of why I do this show is to help me remember, to keep my focus in the right place. And yes, I want to help other people, <clears throat> and I continually try to say that. You know, my goal is to help you to pursue Jesus yourself. But I want to remember. Uh, I want to make sure that my focus every day is on Him. I don't ever want to forget what He did for me. I want to live my life like it really matters, because it does. There is nothing more important than the truth that Jesus was born into this world, fully man and fully God, that as he walked along those paths between the towns in, in Israel and his feet were dusty and he walked with those disciples and had those conversations with them, he was paving the way for me to have access to God the Father. He was paving the way through his discipling of those young men for them to be the foundation for a special family, the body of Christ, the church. And I need the church. When, when we think about Christmas, when we think about Easter, um, the church exists because Jesus did come, because he did walk this earth, because he did train those men, because he did 
give them his authority because he did send the Holy Spirit because he is building his church. We can't forget that. And we need to live like we remember. We need to live like it matters. And, you know, a big part of what I'm doing here is encouraging us to see that lived out in the choices that we make every day. You know, your life is, is really a series of choices. Um, every day you, you're going to do something. <laughs> I mean, it's very rare, at least in my life, <clears throat> that I can get up and just have nothing that I have to do all day. I, I don't have very many days like that, if any. I'm going to do something every day. And as I look back over my life, my life is a series of the consequences of the choices that I made. Uh, sometimes the rewards of the choices that I made, but usually the consequences. <laughs> it's easy to make poor choices. Uh, it's easy to forget what's really important. I think those stones of remembrance that the Israelites had, it's easy to avoid the path that has those on it. <laughs> uh, it. It takes a little effort to add the things into our life that are reminders. You know, I think uh, memorizing Scripture is hugely valuable. It does help us to remember what's important, and, and it helps to reshape our thoughts and our minds, uh, to keep them focused on Him. But it's not easy. And a lot of the choices that we need to make, as we think about what it means to really live out Christmas every day, the choices that we need to make, they're not always easy. They take being intentional. That's one of my favorite words. And I think Jesus lived an, an, an intentional life. And what Paul did as he wrote his letters to the different churches and to the different men that he mentored and discipled, he challenged the church and he challenged those men to live intentional lives of pursuing Christ-likeness, pursuing godliness, pursuing righteousness. Be intentional about it. And what that means is making choices that keep Jesus first. And that's, it's just not easy. It's easy to be distracted. Uh, it's easy to allow someone else to set our priorities, whether that's uh, work or a family member or whatever thing it is that makes your life feel urgent. We, we allow a lot of different things to drag us down and keep us distracted. And what that means is we allow someone else to make choices for us or we settle into the easy choice uh, to be unthinking. And, and some of that is to allow our physical needs to drive our choices. I think that's one reason the spiritual disciplines, things like fasting, are valuable because what they are is a reminder that our physical needs are, are not the things that drive us. Ultimately, everything that you have physically will break down or be destroyed or rust or burn. I mean, it's uh, the physical world 
is on this long, slow decline. So to allow the physical world to set your priorities is a mistake. (laughs) Ultimately, you will stand before God. And as you give an accounting for your stewardship, um, yeah, you do give an accounting for those things that are are physical. You know, you have certain resources that God's given you, uh, whether you're Uh, consider your wealth or your health. Both of those are temporal things. They're temporary. They're here and now in this life only. But you are still meant to be a steward of those things. You're still meant to make good choices. You're still meant to live like those things matter and have some value in eternity. The problem is we often allow those things to dictate our choices. So we make choices based on health and current felt needs or on finances and current felt needs. And all of us have those. Uh, if you don't, uh, you know, send me a note. I can, I can help you. <laughs> Most of us don't, don't have the health that we'd like to have. We don't have the finances to do everything that we'd like to do. Uh, that's just a reality of life. So to allow those things to dictate your choices... Uh, means you're going to fall into this rut of pursuing things that are less. And I, I really do like the way that uh, I was taught you know, 27, 28 years ago by a, a pastor that in our life we have good, better, best. And I know I've mentioned that on here before. As a, a person is pursuing Jesus, first hearing the gospel and hearing about Jesus, they're really challenged in the gospel the first time to choose between uh, good and bad. <laughs> you know, um, The gospel is about choosing what's good. Uh, God wants good things for you. And without him, bad things <laughs> await. <laughs> it's kind of a, a black and white. You know, you separate the sheep from the goats. There's a clear sheep. There's a clear goat. There's clear uh, sin and there's clear salvation. Um, so in the beginning, it's it's black and white. There's there's evil. There's bad and there's good. And you're, and you're challenged to choose Jesus to choose the good. The problem that often comes in is we accept Jesus as Savior. And now we celebrate Christmas and Easter, and we remember what Jesus did. And that's good. That is awesome. But then we get to the first of the year, a new year starts. Christmas is in the the rearview mirror for another year, and the tyranny of the urgent takes over. We look ahead of the year and say, well, there's uh, financial concerns. There's things that I need to do to improve my situation. Uh, there's things at work that I need to address. There's things in my my health that I need to address, or in my relationships. And we made a good choice to choose Jesus, but we don't make the better choice to walk daily and allow Him to be first in all of these things. He was first in our salvation, but He's not first in our workplace. Uh, He's not first in every relationship. He's first in some relationships, the ones where it's obvious and easy. But when it comes to good choices and then the better choices, uh, the good choices are comfortable and easy. Uh, 
the better choice is it begins to take a little more intentionality, a little more work. And then the best choices, the best choice really to pursue God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to really choose not just to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but to be a disciple maker, to really settle in to say, God, I want to be uh, one of those men, one of those women who's on your side, who is a, a fitting vessel, who is a, a tool that you use in your great work of reconciliation. I want to put you first. I want every resource that I have to be yours. I, I really want to be a good steward. I want to use everything that you've given me for you. Okay, that's, that's a little harder choice. It's the best choice. <laughs> I think it's the one where the most fruit lies. I think it's the choice where the most joy lies. But also <laughs> there's great potential for pain, uh, for heartache, uh, for difficulty, because the road that God leads us on is not usually down a wide, narrow path, a wide uh, level path. You know, he tells us that most people are on that wide, that wide path. It's level, it's broad, it's easy. But the, the path that he calls us to, the path of a disciple maker, is for a narrow path, a narrow gate, and it's rough. And it's, you think about the birth of Jesus, we tend to think about uh, the soft baby in the manger and this cute little scene. But the life of Jesus was hard. The life that he called us to is also hard. Uh, he walked miles. Uh, he was constantly, as he once he began his ministry, was constantly being sought out, and uh, people wanted things from him. I just a little bit of of ministry that I do. I feel like there are people that have expectations that you can't meet. Uh, he didn't have that, <laughs> but he, they had expectations that weren't in line with what God was doing. And to have people that are constantly um, seeking you and wanting you to do things and trying to direct your path, uh, that can be difficult. What Jesus called us to was an intentional life of becoming a disciple maker. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's putting two verses together, but I think that's the summary of what really every single one of us is called to do. So here at Christmas, we have an opportunity to remember Jesus came to this earth as a man and lived a model life for us. He showed us what was important. In this work of reconciliation, he was a disciple maker. He uh, trained other people to carry on that work once he returned to his father's side. And I think for us, that's what we should be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the command we're left in Matthew uh, 28, to, to go to the world and to be disciple makers. It's a good time to remember that, Christmas. So thanks for joining me again. You know, what's God doing in your life this holiday season? Hopefully you're abiding in Christ in the middle of a busy schedule. I'd love to hear from you. Write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. Leave a comment on the Facebook page. But whatever you do, keep thanking God and keep running.